Sci-Fi Fans is the official podcast of science fiction author W.A. Blinko. Before today's episode, I'd just like to mention how this podcast is made. Thank you so much for listening to that short advert. It really does help this podcast. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hi and welcome to Sci-Fi Fans. This episode is all about the horror classic A Nightmare on Elm Street. So grab yourself a cup of tea or whatever your favourite beverage is as for the next 10 minutes or so I shall be talking to you about this Wes Craven film that spawned a multi-million dollar franchise. So are you sitting comfortably? Um, a Nightmare on Elm Street's top cast includes Heather Longcap, Johnny Depp, Robert England, John Saxon, Ronnie Blakely and Amanda Wyess. It's essentially about a spirit of a child murderer that is seeking revenge from the parents who were responsible for his death. He does this in the realm of dreams and he kills all of his victims while they're asleep. So I don't know about you, but um, that sounds pretty scary to me just to start off with. Now, surprisingly, the words Elm Street are not mentioned at all during the film. Wes Craven chose the title A Nightmare on Elm Street after Elm Street in Wheaton, Illinois, and this was where he went to college. Wes Craven came up with the original idea and the script in 1971, but nobody wanted to make the film. And that was until three years later, when New Line Cinema gave it the green light. A Nightmare on Elm Street was um, Johnny Depp's very first role in a big picture, and Wes Craven has said that Johnny Depp wasn't very confident about his performance. So what Wes Craven would quite often do is reassure him during the production. Um, incidentally, New Line Cinema released a film Alone in the Dark in 1982, directed by Jack Shoulder and starring Jack Palace. But this was only given a limited release and was considered a flop. So when New Line Cinema released A Nightmare on Elm Street, this is considered to be the company's very first genuine mainstream cinematic feature film. Heather Lundkamp's final audition for the role of Nancy Thomas was, uh, believe it or not, and quite coincidental I think, was on Friday the 13th in January 1984. So uh, Friday the 13th proving to be lucky for her I suppose and that's in that uh, instance. Incidentally, her boyfriend at the time of filming is credited for creating the Freddy nursery rhyme, which goes along the lines of one, two, Freddy's going to get you. Um, she also beat over 200 other actresses for the role of Nancy. Some of those actresses were Demi Moore, Courtney Cox and Tracy Gold, to name a few. And when I say beat, I don't mean physically, she just beat them in the auditions. One of the uh, memorable scenes, for me at least, is where Freddy Krueger is coming through one of the walls above Nancy while she's asleep at the time. They filmed this by stretching a sheet of spandex across a hole in the wall and then pressed against it. However, Freddy Krueger was played by special effects designer Jim Doyle in this scene and I haven't been able to find out why Robert England didn't film this scene. If I catch up with him at Comic Con, I might ask him that. Wes Craven's wife at the time makes a cameo appearance in the film as the nurse in the hospital where Nancy's dreams are being examined and her hair turns white while they're examining her dreams. Um, Freddy Krueger's sweater was initially going to be red and yellow and this was based on the colours worn by Plastic Man who, just like Freddy, could change his uh, 
change its appearance. But when Wes Craven read an article in Scientific America in 1982, it stated that the two most contrasting colours to the human retina were red and green. So he decided to alter the colours. Incidentally, the sleeves on Freddy Krueger's sweater in A Nightmare on Elm Street are just one colour, as opposed to the sequels where they are, they're striped red and green. Wes Craven wanted Freddy Krueger to be a typical silent serial killer, following along the lines of Michael Myers. The film was essentially besieged by financial difficulties. Smart Egg Production failed to put up the $1 million into the film, and at the time they, they just dropped out before literally just before filming was to begin. So Robert Shea had to uh, try and raise the money from other sources. Two weeks into production, he had no money left to pay the crew. So line producer John H. Burroughs actually used his credit card. Eventually, though, um, he would be able to broker a deal with Media Home Entertainment and subsequently, because of that deal, persuade Smart Egg to put up the final $200,000 shortfall needed to complete the film. A few days before the film was due to go into general release though, the um, processing lab that was going through the negative informed New Line Cinema that they would be keeping hold of the film because they had not been paid. And at the very last minute though, again, Robert Shear was able to negotiate a deal. So he's really played a big part in saving this film and the success of A Nightmare on Elm Street saved New Line Cinema from being uh, effectively shut down through bankruptcy. New Line Cinema was then jokingly nicknamed the house that Freddie built and that's kind of like tongue-in-cheek because obviously Disney is the house of mouse. The total budget for the film though would come in at approximately 1.8 million dollars and I can't think of any films that would be made on such a small budget these days. But back then, in 1984, that was considered a lot of money. And to be honest, it still is a lot of money, so don't get me wrong. It's just when you look at some of the uh, major finances for films such as The Avengers, I mean, these films have hundreds of millions of dollars, and uh, that's just for the making of the film. Then they have hundreds of millions of dollars, again, for uh, promotion. Um, so anyway, I, I digress. The budget of $1.8 million was actually made back in the opening weekend. Um, so that's how they saved the studio. Freddy's appearance was created by Dave Beermiller, who based the appearance on photographs of burn victims that he saw at a medical centre. It would take around about three hours to get Robert England fully made up in the makeup. And he was not Wes Craven's first choice for the part either. Freddy Krueger was initially, uh, well, Wes Craven wanted to give the part of Freddy to stuntmen. He just wanted to use stuntmen instead of an actor. However, after doing several screen tests, he realised that he needed an actor for the role within the suit. Now, there's a scene in A Nightmare on Elm Street where um, Freddy's arms, they just grow, and he's standing in the middle of a... Um, uh, an alleyway and his arms grow so how they made this happen was they attached they had puppeteer arms and they had them attached to fishing line and they pulled the fishing line across and so the arms were pulled across to the end of the alleyways as he was walking down the uh, the street 
Um, so that's how they've done that effect. The eagle-eyed amongst you will notice that in this film, Nancy's house has a blue door, but in all of the subsequent sequels, it's now the iconic red door. In the scene where Nancy almost drowns as Freddy tries to uh, drown her in, in the bath, they actually used a water tank that was covered in black, giving the impression that Nancy's bathtub was bottomless. The iconic glove that Freddy uses, um, and there's been a little bit of debate over this, over what the knives actually were that were attached to his fingers. These were actually tomato knives, and I've never actually heard of a tomato knife until recently, so I don't know about you, but I don't know what the difference is, but that's uh, something possibly for another uh, podcast to discuss uh, tomato knives. Um, so they're not fishing knives or steak knives, as many people believe. So when we first see Freddy in the movie, he's not played by Robert England. Again, another bit where they've uh, swapped Robert England out. Instead, it's actually special effects man Charles Belladrini. As Belladrini was the only one who knew exactly how to make the gloves and attach the blades. The boiler room scenes were filmed in the basements of the Lincoln Heights prison in LA. The prison was then later condemned after filming, and this was down to the amount of asbestos that was present. Wes Craven was inspired some... Well, he was inspired by people that bullied him at school and also um, a hobo influenced Freddy's appearance with the hat and the dirty clothes. Wes Craven wanted Freddy Krueger to have a unique weapon, but it would have to be practical and cheap, so he got the idea of the gloves from how cat's claws retract. And also, after studying what people's fears were, the study concluded that for most people, the fears were around being attacked by an animal, so this is where uh, Wes Craven combined these two ideas. A Nightmare of Elm Street was filmed in only 32 days altogether. Uh, Wes Craven had such a good relationship with Sean S. Cunningham, who was working on Friday the 13th, that he even helped him by working on a few shots for Friday the 13th. So Sean S. Cunningham directed a few shots of A Nightmare of Elm Street near the end of production. Also, there's a couple of Easter eggs, and that is... Um, in A Nightmare of Elm Street, we see the Evil Dead being played on a TV, and this was included because Remé featured a poster of The Hills Have Eyes in one of his films. Remé would then go on to show Freddy Krueger's glove in the tool shed in Evil Dead, and um, also Dawn of uh, The Evil Dead as well, Ash versus Evil Dead. Um, so that's where I'm going to draw this episode to a conclusion. I hope you've enjoyed it, and don't forget... If you get in touch with me via my other media channels, you can always suggest content. I look forward to you joining me on the other platforms and take care of yourselves. Until next time, bye. Before I go, I'd just like to mention that I have a YouTube channel, Sci-Fi Fans, and TikTok channel, Sci-Fi Fans. I also have a website where you can find out about my latest projects and more about my books, and that's wayneblinko.com, W-A-Y-N-E, B-L-I-N-K-O dot com. And uh, yeah, that's just where I'm going to wrap up this episode. Thank you very much for listening. And I look forward to seeing you on the other platforms. And um, yeah, take care of yourselves. Until next week. Bye. All information in this podcast episode is researched by myself, Wayne Blinko. I use various websites such as IMDB or official websites from actors, films or film studios. Thank you very much.